Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Akun Wong. I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. With me, as always, is my co-host and fantasy sports bigwig, Ryan Whitfield. But don't let that scare you off from the podcast as we have an extra special treat today. We have a special guest who is the founder of GoingForTwo.com, creator and host of Armchair Fantasy Show, and an all-around great guy. We got Jeff Lambert. How you doing, Jeff? I'm good, man. I'm good. Glad to be on. Oh, yeah. Thanks for uh, hanging hanging through all the technical difficulties and staying on with us. I know that uh, I'm sure it was really confusing to sign on and hear absolute nothing but our theme song for like five minutes. That must have been really fun. <laughs> <It's all laughs> so good, some man. of you, I know how it works. Yeah. So some of you all out there might remember that Jeff is a fantasy football guru. He took part in our best ball fantasy football league this year. And if you read the associated article on our site, you know exactly what you're missing. If you don't catch him on Armchair Fantasy Show, so bottom line, don't miss it. So, uh, Jeff, I know you have some things that you want to promo, but let me ask you first for our listeners. Can you tell us what motivated you to start GoingForTwo.com? All right. Well, it started off in way back in 2015. So I was always sort of the fantasy guru among my friends. And <laughs> I would get the, the phone calls on Sunday morning of who they should start. I'd get the Tuesday phone calls or text messages of who they should pick up off waiver wires, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, there was one particular call that I made. I can't remember exactly what it was, but my friend kind of said, man, you're pretty good at this. You should start a blog or something. And I was kind of like, <laughs> the, you know, the, the light bulb went off. And I was like, hmm, that's actually a really good idea. Um, so I started it up. I actually started it up right after the Super Bowl. So I had no football to even talk about. Yep. Um, I started it up, uh, you know, it was very basic at the beginning. I had, you know, I kind of pictured it, me writing down my thoughts and then begging my friends and family to go read it you know, getting like 50 views or something like that if I was lucky. Um, yep. But because I did it after football season, I decided to go ahead and write some daily fantasy basketball at the time. And it was just sort of getting big. It was that, you know, that year when uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, you could not uh, escape their commercials. They were everywhere. Yeah. Um, because I was one of the few sites doing DFS advice for NBA, the site just took off. I mean, it was like, I went from getting like 10 views a day to getting like, 4,000 views in a day. It was wow, really yeah, that's something. And I just kind of fell in love with it. And then, you know, at the end of the basketball season, I was kind of like, you know, I don't do baseball. I know nothing about baseball. So I put a tweet out there like, hey, does anybody want to write, uh, you know, baseball DFS for me for the summer? And two guys stepped up and they wrote for me for a couple of years. And it just kind of grew from there. I just kept adding writers, adding writers. And before I knew it, you know, we got 40 plus writers on staff. You know, we now wow. have a live podcast that we do every Tuesday and Friday night. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's grown bigger than I ever thought it would. That's for sure. That's amazing. And, uh, let that be a lesson to everybody to just do it, man. I mean, if you actually want to do it, just, just sit down and you never know what's going to happen. This is a, it's an amazing accomplishment that you have there. Let's give you a little bit of cheers there for, uh, all the good work you've done for all the DFS players out there and fantasy players out there. And we're really happy to have you on the show. This is exciting stuff. Now I have to tell you this. I also noticed that, uh, you have on your Twitter image, a uh, somewhat influenced by an old Nintendo game picture there. Uh, tell me about that. You you happen to be a Nintendo guy, or does this happen to be something that just kind of caught your eye? Well, actually what it is is, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Scott Fishbowl. It's, yeah, uh, of course. It's basically, yeah, a fancy football tournament. Uh, it's a, it's all for charity. It's a huge tournament. I think this year there's 1,200 teams in this tournament. You know, everyone from Matthew Berry to Evan Silva to – you know, you name it, any any who's who in the industry, they're in right. the tournament. Right, Jeff Lambert. 
And uh, exactly, <laughs> I wish I was up there with those guys. <laughs> um, but the theme this year, so he picks a theme every year. Last year it was like sitcoms, it was like you know Friends and Cheers and those kind of things. This year the the theme was you know video games. And so he put out, you know, early on, he says, you know, if you want to request a certain division or whatever, you can sort of ask for it. And my favorite game growing up was always Mega Man. Nice. So I requested Mega Man. I was like, you know, I want to be in the Mega Man division. And I, uh, you know, ended up getting in that division. And I kind of had the idea even before I got into division to sort of modify the Mega Man 2, which I think was the best of the group of games that had at no the doubt. time. Yep. And I kind of modified it. So instead of saying Mega Man 2, it said going for two. And I used the Mega Man image and to put a few like uh, icons in there with my Twitter handle and such. So uh, just to sort of announce that, you know, I'm in the Scott Fishbowl and I've, you know, I've obviously donated to the charity. And it's kind of a, a, a Twitter sort of cult almost. If you go on Twitter and you search for anything fantasy football at this time of year, you're going to see a bunch of, of avatars with, with different video games in the, in the Scott Fishbowl uh, icon in there as well. Right, right. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. Now, I, from what I understand, you also have something that you started up. Uh, that's kind of a little bit of a charity uh, effort there. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I've been thinking about this for a couple of years because, you know, I was in the Scott Fishbowl last year as well. It was my first time in, and it was really cool to see, like, the, the camaraderie of everything. Everyone's on Twitter, and they're starting, like, group chats with, you know, with their league mates and people you've never talked to before are now, you know, you're now friends with them. So I, was kind of, I wish I can bring this to DFS. I can bring this to Daily Fantasy. And I'm actually a, a, a consultant or a committee member on a DraftKings committee, which is called the voice of the player, which basically they, you know, run stuff by us, you know, sort of like when they're announcing new things like, hey, what do you think of, you know, what do you think the community will think of this? Or what do you think the community mm-hmm. will think of that? And, you know, we had, we had a big hand in uh, NBA bringing back the late swap last year for, for right. DraftKings. Yep. Um, so I kind of had it in with DraftKings already. So I was kind of like, you know what, let me just throw it out there to them and see what they think about this. And I was kind of like, you know, can y'all put up a little bit of, you know, prizes or something to sort of entice people to join, uh, give me a little bit larger tournament. Cause if you do it by yourself, the biggest league you can create is 200 people. And I, I want it to be bigger than that. So they said, sure, we'll, you know, we'll take care of that. We'll get you some prizes. They're giving us some, some DK swag and some DK dollars for, you know, playing tournaments and stuff. And uh, they're putting that up in the tournament. And then I'm just basically trying to fill it right now. Uh, the only way you can get in the contest right now is you have to register through my website. You just go to goingfor2.com backslash charity, and then you'll see just on there, there's a quick form that's going to ask you for your email address and for your, your DraftKings name. Uh, once the contest goes live, uh, I'll use that email, obviously, to send you the URL to then log into the contest, set up your lineup and everything, and, and go from there. And, of course, we're uh, asking for donations. Uh, there's a GoFundMe page that I set up that you can just click on, you can donate, you know, five bucks, 10 bucks or whatever. Uh, we're hoping to average at least five bucks a person. Um, if you want to donate more, that's great. Uh, mm-hmm. But then it's all going to fantasycares.net, which is the nice. same that, uh, that Scott Fishbowl uses. Yep. Um, and they buy toys for the kids during the holidays um, that are underprivileged kids that can't, you know, can't get toys. So kind of like a toys for tots sort of thing, but they actually literally go out to the stores and buy. I think last year they raised like $44,000 for this charity. So I'm just trying to do my part. Uh, and get some people on board for some daily fantasy and get some get some charity events going on. That is amazing. That so everyone go sign up for that. Goingfor2.com backslash charity. It is a great cause and definitely go donate. This is obviously something that's going to help everybody and it gives hey it gives us fantasy players a, a good name as well because giving back to the community uh, can never be a bad thing. This is fantastic. Great work, Jeff. We're excited about that and we hope everybody goes out and does that as well. But we got a lot of stuff to discuss. 
in advance of uh, getting into the season. And uh, today, we're going to talk about the NFC West. You know, as uh, we talked about a little bit earlier, we actually have been breaking down each of the divisions as we go from podcast to podcast each week. And this week, we're going to hit the NFC West because Jeff happens to be a 49ers fan. Is that right? That's correct. Yep, I've been since the 80s. Oh, man. Well, so the 80s was pretty good for you. Uh, after yeah. that, eh, it kind of, you know, I mean, it kind of trailed off a little bit. Uh, yeah, 90s weren't too bad. We got a Super Bowl in the 90s, and then, uh, yep. of course, early 2000s, we had the Kaepernick thing, but that's, that's um, true. Yeah, not not been so good since. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's okay. I'm a I'm a Bears fan, so I haven't had a real good season until 80s since 85, so, you know, <laughs> you I, I, I'm right there with you. I'm not like I'm not like Ryan and his Patriots, you know, they win like every, every second Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and the Super Bowls they don't win are because they're actually in it. You know, it's not because they didn't make the Super Bowl. So I right. I don't even know. I can't even fathom what it's like to be a Boston sports fan. Um, well, so, I would just say that if the 49ers had uh, stuck with Harbaugh over Trent Baalke, they, they'd probably still be uh, in a better spot than they were uh, the last several years here. Your Bears 100% suck, so. agree with that. 100% agree <laughs> All right. Well, we got lots to discuss. So we're going to talk about that NFC West, including the Arizona Cardinals, the San Francisco 49ers, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Los Angeles Rams. Plus, we'll get to some fantasy football sleepers. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. Uh, so let's uh, let's go ahead and get this thing rolling. Okay, let's go cross-country to the NFC West and start with the Arizona Cardinals. Let's start with them because they are the worst team in the NFC West as of 2018. They ended the season at a lowly 3-13, and 13, suffering from a total points differential of negative 200. That is right. Opponents outscored them by a total of 200 more points in the 2018 season. Wow. I, I didn't even know that until I looked that up. So let's start with Jeff. What's your big question for the Arizona Cardinals coming into the 2019 season? Well, the, my big question for them this year is the same big question that they had last year is, is their offensive line. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they got one of the all-world running backs in the league, David Johnson, who really couldn't do a whole lot of anything behind that offensive line last year. Um, their quarterback was getting killed. And then they, you know, went into the draft and drafted like three wide receivers before they even got their first offensive lineman. They did end up picking someone in free agency, um, but he's had uh, inju- injury history. So they didn't do a whole lot to address their offensive line. And yeah, they got some great weapons there. They got Kyler Murray, of course. They still got David Johnson. They got a, a second-year receiver, uh, Christian Kirk. He's really good. Fitzgerald's mm-hmm. still playing. He's like 197 years old now, but he's still good. <laughs> right. But their offensive line is still bad, and I just don't know how they're going to, you know, Kyler Murray's a small guy, 5'10", barely. Uh, you know, he's 180 pounds, it, it seems like, but he's yep. going to get killed behind that line. I don't care how athletic and how fast he is. I mean, uh, RG3 has the same problem. He could not stay healthy, and if they can't protect him, it's going to be a it's going to be a long season for them for sure. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good that is a very good point. Ryan, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you agree with what Jeff said, or do you have some other big question for the Arizona Cardinals going into the 2019 season? Well, I agree, and well, I agree with most of it, and I have a big question. Um, I would say, you know, the 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 RG three comp is one I haven't heard enough, and I actually was thinking about that when I was I was looking at their body sizes uh, a couple weeks ago, just looking at height and weight and stuff, and. I just don't think that gets talked enough about, you know, we know how athletic Kyler Murray is, but he's not, he's not Cam Newton. You know, he's not uh, Carson Wentz, you know, who's, who's even had injury problems, but he is more built like, like an RG3. And I believe RG3 was even bigger. So you right. know, there has to be some concerns about the longevity with the, with the style that he plays. My big question mark is, and I think in, early on in the, in the history of our show, I was a big David Johnson fan and I, and I still am, 
but I think it's fair to ask the question who David Johnson is. And I only say that because I was looking through kind of doing a quick dive on his stats today. Um, 2015, he really didn't get his opportunity till the very end of the stretch. I think that was still when they had Ellington and Chris Johnson and that backfield was a mess. Finally emerged at the end of 2015, but it's a small sample size. Then in 2016, which was his big year, his, his averages went down, but the, the sample size is bigger, so that you'd expect that. But you know, that was obviously his all-world year. And I believe he ended that year, that year was the, that he had an injury towards the end of the season. The next year he comes out, he busts his wrist open and day, and he's done for the year. And then last year, uh, obviously, I'm no Mike McCoy fan, so you have those issues. And, you know, obviously, the, like, like uh, Jeff pointed out, the offensive line was not great, and the whole offense wasn't that great last year. But, when I, but it's all a long way of saying that it's a really limited sample size that we've seen David Johnson be elite for. So yeah. I'm interested to see, is, is 2016 David Johnson who we can expect, or should we be expecting somewhere in between what we saw last year and that 2016 David Johnson? You know, where does the truth lie? Where does water reach its level with him? Because I think a lot of us assume that in the right situation, he's just automatically the guy he was, but Again, now we're going on a four-year sample size and whatever the circumstances, and there have been a lot of different things happening, but eventually we're, you know, when, when enough things start, enough questions arise, you know, it's right now what's the anomaly, and right now to me it's 2016. So that, that gives me some pause for concern, and, and it just makes me interested in, in the year David Johnson has. Now, I've been a huge fan of him. I love the guy. I love his ability in the pass game. I love that he can line, line up outside. I love that he was a converted guy. I love the way he runs the ball, but whether it's health, whether it's situation, it seems like everything, something always kind of gets in his way. Um, and I think last year he had 3.6 yards per carry average. So it was not a great year for him. I think he had 258 carries for less than a thousand yards. It was like 950, something like that. So anyways, that's, that's my big question mark, just to kind of look at it from a different angle when it comes to David Johnson and the Cardinals. Right. And he uh, definitely is, is their most proven weapon, which doesn't say a whole lot because uh, Larry Fitzgerald is kind of, you know, like uh, like like Jeff mentioned, 192 years old or what have you. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Kyler Murray does there. There's a lot of excitement surrounding that. So let's uh, lots of lot of open questions there. But let's move on to the next team. Let's go ahead and ring the bell and go on to the San Francisco 49ers. Then we should call them Jeff's San Francisco 49ers, the second worst team in NFC West. Last year in 2018, they ended the season barely ahead of the Cardinals at 4-12, and 12, and they were somewhat more effective with a total point differential of only negative 93. That's right, only outscored by 93 total points. So, Jeff, since it's your team, why don't you go ahead and start us off and tell us what's your big question for the San Francisco 49ers coming into the 2019 season? My biggest question is going to start and end with Jimmy Garoppolo. So oh, wow. Yeah. Everybody is sort of... Uh, anointed this guy as like the next Tom Brady. Uh, you know, he came out of the Patriots system. I think he won three or four games for them there. Then came to us and he won the last, I think, five or six games that season that he played there. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you know, like I said, making the next Tom Brady, they've all kind of anointed him that. And then they, you know, goes last year, he goes a couple games. He's just okay those first couple games. And of course, turns his ACL and then is out for the rest of the year. So the question mark still remains there is, is he the guy that started off the last, you know, last year where he was just an average quarterback or is he the guy that was winning games the previous season and sort of lightening it up? So it still remains to be seen. Cause I think they, they've got some offensive pieces. Now they got some good receivers there. Uh, they got a plus throw running backs. They have one of the best tight ends in the league. Their yeah. offensive line is very, very well. Their defense is much improved. They got a ton of first round picks on that, uh, that defensive line that should definitely improve that, that overall defense this year. So 
it all comes down to Garoppolo and, and, and can he put it together and can he be that quarterback that we traded for and gave this huge contract to, can he, can he sort of drive this offense to be what, you know, we've come to expect from a Mike Shanahan offense when you got, you know, guys like Matt Ryan, you know, lighting it up a few years ago under Mike Shanahan, or I'm sorry, right. Kyle Shanahan. Uh, and can he be that guy? Can he be the next sort of Matt Ryan in a Kyle Shanahan system and, and take him to the next level? And that remains to be seen. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and uh, Ryan, I know that you were a fan of Jimmy G when he was uh, when he left the Patriots and went on to the San Francisco 49ers, even thinking that perhaps he was the heir apparent if Tom Brady were to ever leave. So what are your thoughts about the 49ers? Do you, what's your big question for them coming into the 2019 season? Yeah, yeah. And, and since I threw a fit on air about the day that they traded Jimmy Garoppolo, which I still didn't get enough back for him, by the way. <laughs> right. So I still hold true to that. But regardless, right. since I threw a fit about that, all the Patriots have done are gone has gone to three Super Bowls and won two of them. So what do I know? <laughs> yeah, not um, too bad. <laughs> the great consolation yeah, prize you got there. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, we we will we will be irrelevant for the next ten years unless we can find the guy. But regardless, um, no. So I, I mean, so I think there's two important parts of Brady's game that are really subtle, um, and I think Jimmy G has proven to me at least that he has one of those. And the other one, he's he's to this point, proven he doesn't have. So the first one he has that I talked about on the show a lot is I love his quick release. He identifies before the play where he's going. It's not the flashiest. It, it's, it's, quick re- it's quick reads, ball in and out, three seconds, alleviate to pass rush, which is all great. Um, the part that he doesn't have that Brady has, and is my huge question mark for just Garoppolo specifically, if he's going to evolve, is if you watch enough Patriot football and you watch Tom Brady early enough in a game, Tom Brady is king of the live to see another play. If the play is not there, he will not force the ball and he will not take an unnecessary hit. Garoppolo's two injuries as a pro were both on plays where he should have quit while he was ahead. The the Kiko Alonso play, he, he was blowing out Miami in that game uh, for the Patriots back in 2016 or 27, or it might have been 2015. I don't know, the years get all run together now, but whatever. I think it was <laughs> it's hard when you win every um, Super Bowl, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. So he's, he's got to get rid of the ball quicker there, but he holds on and tries to make a play and gets driven down and doesn't protect himself. The play last year, if I remember, he had the alley to go out of bounds and at the last second decided to cut it back in to try to keep the play alive. And so while an ACL is kind of a freak injury, it's the, the point is that he should have gone out earlier, should have just got down, like, you know, end the play. So I'm interested to see if that part of his game evolves. My bigger question, Mark, which does kind of revolve around him, is I like Dante Pettis. And, and I just, the two questions I'm starting off with tonight are not questions that I have a strong opinion one way or the other. You know, perfect fence sitting, wishy washy takes by me. But, um, Dante Pettis had a nice, you know, season or nice end of the season down the stretch last year. But in the two games that him and Jimmy Garoppolo uh, passed crossed, we're talking, I believe it was three total receptions for like 40 yards or something like that. Um, I had to go back and look at it. I was looking at it briefly before we got on the show, but like the, the stats are not there. So for me, I'm just interested if they have chemistry together. Cause I like Pettis and I know that a lot of fantasy fantasy community is high on Pettis, mm-hmm. but most of his damage and when he really started to make a push last year, was with with other guys uh, under center. So I'm interested to see if that same chemistry is there or if Garoppolo, um, his skill set matches up better with a different receiver on this roster. So, you know, I guess more from a fantasy perspective than anything, because I think that that offense will be good, provided everyone can stay healthy and Jimmy can uh, get down. Um, But, you know, you have a plethora of of options at receiver and running back and at tight end. I'm just interested to see what kind of role Dante Pettis has with Jimmy G behind uh, under center here. 
Right, and I'd be interested to see if George Kittle can keep up his his ridiculous pace that he had from last year. I mean, with Jimmy G back there, uh, who knows? It could be really great, but, uh, well, I guess time will tell. So let's go ahead and ring the bell on the 49ers and move on to the next team, and that is the Seattle Seahawks. They ended up second in the NFC West in 2018, finishing 10-6, and and they had a positive total point differential of plus 81 before going on to lose in the wildcard game by just two points to the Dallas Cowboys. So let's start with you, Jeff. What's your big question for the Seattle Seahawks coming into the 2019 season? The biggest question I have for them is, can they still win with the style of play that they played last year, which was like extremely run heavy? They have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the you know most clutch quarterbacks in the league, and they're taking the ball out of his hand to run the ball an enormous amount of times. And I think that was their downfall in that playoff game. They ran it too much. They weren't passing at all. You know, when you got Russell Wilson back there, they just gave him a humongous contract. Yep. Uh, you got to put the ball in his hands. He's got to be able to win the game for you. You can't just keep handing the ball off to Chris Carson and getting four yards, five yards, three yards. It, it just it doesn't work in today's NFL. You got to put up points and you got to you got to move the ball down the field. And if you're paying a guy that much, you might as well use what you got. And and they need to put the ball back in his hands. So, it, my thing is, is can they keep winning that way, or they're going to you know eventually change their style and go back to what they were doing before? Yep, and that's a, that's a, some good questions there, Ryan. What do you think? Yeah, so to to play off of that, you know, my my big question mark is in the backfield because uh, another guy that I've in the past have been high on in this show, um, but you know, opinions evolve. Is you know, I think we've seen the ceiling for Chris Carson, and I think he's you know, to use fantasy terms, a a, a safe floor, but limited right. ceiling type guy. He he's consistent. He's gonna you know. As Jeff alluded to, he's going to get you that four yards of carry, three yards of carry, but he's not a guy who's going to have big breakaway plays and big explosive plays. Doug Baldwin being gone is a big deal. And I know he wasn't the same Doug Baldwin last year, but that has been, you know, when when Russell first got into the right. league, we you know, we right. said that offense wasn't good enough. And, you know, Curse had a couple nice years and there were, you know, uh, the Percy Harvin years. And, you know, there there've been there've been some pieces that have flashed in moments. Jimmy Graham there for a couple years ago. But it, it really was Doug Baldwin and Russell making magic back there. And then, obviously, Marshawn Lynch. And that right. was the offense there. And now it's just Russell. The guy with the high upside, the guy with the who, who came in in better shape this year, who had lost, I think, something like 15, 20 pounds, is Rashad Penny. And he's the guy who could be a game changer because he can contribute in both the pass and the run game. Mm-hmm. I think it's imperative – for the Seahawks on the offensive side. I think that that defense is young and growing and good. Um, and I know there's been a lot of turnover there, but I, you know, I still love the two uh, with, with Wright and Wagner back there. And, and I love uh, Shaquille Griffin. Um, so, you know, I'm confident that defense and Pete Carroll is always going to figure it out defensively. I think it's imperative for them to have a really good season and to really make a push in the playoffs that we need to see Rashad Penny uh, evolve into a, to a top 10 back. Yep, and he is uh, first. their first-round pick, which they traded up for last year that everybody in fantasy was called, clamoring over. And, of course, as you mentioned, no Doug Baldwin there. But there's DK Metcalf there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that receiving core. So let's ring the bell on that one. Move on to the last team, and that is the L.A. Rams, who are the team on top of the NFC West in 2018. They finished the regular season 13-3 and with a total point differential of plus 143 before moving on and losing in the Super Bowl to – Ryan's New England Patriots by a score of 13 to three. And if I remember correctly, Ryan, you found out that the Patriots won the next following morning after you woke up from a drunken stupor, which is pretty much on brand for you. So that's great. That's always I did. Story. I did unfortunately <laughs> black out 
I, I do I do remember Gronkowski's catch very vaguely. I I I was not I was not confident they won when I woke up the next day. That is that is the unfortunate truth. So on brand, I love it. That's 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 why I like about you. You're consistent all the way through, Ryan. Let, let's slip. Let's 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 go ahead and flip this one up and let's start with you, Ryan, on this one. Let's since this is your Patriots that the Rams lost to in the Super Bowl, and I'm sure you watched them pretty carefully last year. You'll probably watch them off season as well to see what their impact will be coming into 2019. So, what's your big question, Ryan, for the Rams coming into 2019 season? I mean, I, I've written about this. I've tweeted about this. I've talked in group messages about this. I've talked about it on our show. I've talked about it on the NFL Talking Heads show. I, <laughs> I, have, I have said this at nauseum, and I don't, you know, and I think in fantasy we've seen a, maybe too much of a slide uh, from where he should be. But the fact of the matter is it's not just a knee injury that concerns me with Todd Gurley. I looked at the last five years, the guys who finished top five in rush attempts, on average, dropped 22 spots in fantasy ranking the next year for just running backs. They, they miss on, on average four games more or play four games less the following year. Their average yards per carry goes down like a, a half a yard. Um, the last two guys to get better after a year where they finished top five in carries was Eddie Lacy and uh, forget who the other one was. Oh, it's Marshawn Lynch and Eddie Lacy, and that was 2013. It has mm-hmm. not happened. The last 25 times somebody's finished top five in rush carries, they've played less games, they've performed worse in fantasy, and the yards have gone down per carry the next, the next season. Mm. And, and it's in a precipitous drop. From a fantasy perspective, Todd Gurley finished – well, he finished top five in carries two years ago and was the number one running back in fantasy football. Last year, he finished uh, top five in carries again and was the number three guy. So to only drop two spots already – was 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 a victory in of itself for him and so now you have a guy who who again in the five-year sample um i think i think i just missed the first year jamarco murray was top five and then like 2013 was the second year and then he had a big follow-up i mean it's so rare to see a guy go top five and carries back-to-back years probably mostly because as i said they miss on average four games more the next season so when you only play three quarters of the season it's hard to finish top five and carries the wear and tear in running backs is real you factor in how much he touches the ball in the passing game, and then you factor in a knee injury and the fact that you won't see him. You know, I think they've pretty much ruled him out for the preseason at this point, so we won't even see him until you know after Labor Day here. It's just really hard to buy that Todd Gurley is going to be 100%. He could be. He's an elite player, and if he's healthy, then then great. The data I've looked at says that the chances of him being healthy aren't great, and then when you factor in the knee injury, it just makes betting on Todd Gurley a risky, risky proposition. As a Rams fan, as a football fan, if you're betting on the Rams to go far this year, because I think he is super important to that team. He's one of the few guys I will give credence to as a running back. Uh, yep. You know how I feel about running backs. Um, we do. <laughs> and, then, and then from a fantasy perspective. So, yeah, Todd Gurley is my biggest question mark in L.A. I think they're pretty much loaded still front to back everywhere else. I don't know how many other questions you could have there, but that's my big one. Oh, well, let's turn over to Jeff then and find out what his question is. Jeff, what's your big question going into the 2019 season for the L.A. Rams? My question kind of encompasses uh, Todd Gurley as well, and that's just injuries in general. So they got Todd Gurley, who didn't actually miss too many games last year. He still played, but he was a shell of himself. Uh, But they also have Cooper Cup, who got injured early on in the season and was out for the entire year. And if anybody watches football, they know that Jared Goff and Cooper Cup had some connection the last couple of years. It it just seems to be uncanny the way he finds him in the red zone. And that offense ran so much better with Cooper Cup on the field. You know, coming off that ACL, the, the rumors are that Cooper Cup can be ready to go for the beginning of the season. But my thing is, is, is he going to be, 
you know, slow to start? Is he going to be full go right off the bat? And uh, how this offense is going to look with a, you know, a, a reduced Todd Gurley, you know, at best, you know, they're going to lighten his load. Even if he is fully healthy, I think he gets a lighter load this year. And then Cooper Cup, if he can get back uh, to what he was, what this offense looks like and can they make another run, you know, cause they got teams like the Cardinals that are improving. I don't think they'll be very good this year, but you know, their window's closing. The 49ers are getting better as well. You know, Seahawks are always going to be kind of hanging around there as long as they got Russell Wilson. So that division is no longer a give me uh, for the Rams. So it, it, if they have their window, it's, it's now or never with, uh, with Gurley and cup, you know, sort of being the two main guys that they need in that offense. Right, so there's still lots of questions there, some really interesting points that you made there. I'm going to ring the bell on the L.A. Rams before we leave the NFC West. Well, Jeff, why don't you go ahead and predict how the NFC West is going to shake out at the end of the 2019 season? Uh, I do think the Rams still win this division. I think it's a lot closer than people are going to give you know give them credit for. I think uh, I think both Seattle and the 49ers are actually a, a pretty pretty decent teams as long as we stay healthy. I think the Niners could actually be the second in the division. Mm, okay. uh, I'm going to go ahead and give them second in the division there. I think their defense is going to surprise some people this year. I think last year our secondary struggled because we couldn't get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, so we go out and get Bosa in the draft, and we get the D Ford from the, from the Chiefs, and now we've got that pressure up front that I think our secondary can now be good enough to, to be a really good defense. And I think that's all we need. If Garoppolo can just be what he was the year before last, uh, I think we're going to be good enough to be second best in the division. I think Seahawks do finish uh, above 500. Uh, they might be uh, nine and seven. They may be eight and eight. Maybe they finish right at 500 and they finish third in the division. Uh, I think the Cardinals show improvement. I think they're going to be an exciting team to watch, you know, ex- exactly the opposite of last year when they were probably the worst team to watch. Uh, <laughs> they average like 150 passing yards a game, which is just, just terrible. Uh, I think this year they're going to be exciting. They'd be fun to watch as long as uh, Kyler Murray can stay healthy, but I don't think they win more than six games this year. Okay, and just judging from the numbers you've given, you're saying 49ers make the wild card game this year. Is that right? Yes, I believe they'll be in the wild card this year. All right. So, Ryan, why don't you give us uh, your prediction for the NFC West at the end of the 2019 season? So, mine is uh, mine is close. Uh, I have also the Rams winning going 12-4. and four. Um, It was an interesting point, too, that Jeff just brought up that I had not thought of in these terms that you know, the Rams have been knocking on the door a couple of years now, and it's really time for them either to get it done or, uh, you know, kind of fall into obscurity. And when you, when you dominate for long stretches of time and don't win a title, well, then you're just the Eagles of the early 2000s or, uh, or the Kansas City Chiefs of the last 10 years. Love taking mm-hmm. shots at Andy Reid. Um, <laughs> my number two team is the Seattle Seahawks. I have them going 10 and 6. Um, I like the 49ers in third in the division at nine and seven. I think they're still maybe a year away, but I, I do agree with Jeff that they've made a lot of improvement. I like the way the team is building. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have the Cardinals coming in at four and 12. Wow. Okay. So Cardinals not showing any improvement, but in some ways more interesting to watch is what we're hoping for. Okay. Let's ring the bell here on that segment. And since Jeff is a fantasy football guru, we all agree with that. We would be remiss if we don't at least ask him, about some of his sleepers and busts for the upcoming season. So, Jeff, give us two sleepers and two busts for the 2019 season in standard scoring fantasy football leagues. All right, we'll start with my sleepers because uh, I got two guys here that I think are really good. Uh, so one of them is sort of overshadowed by his fellow receiver, and that's the receiver that's in uh, Carolina. Uh, everybody's really high in DJ Moore, which they should be. I think he'll be a, be a stud this year. Uh, but his teammate, Curtis Samuel, actually has been not really – 
NFL. He had a really good end of the season last year. Uh, people people forget that he was the second round pick the year he came out, uh, and not picked too far behind where more was picked. You know, the next year people are giving them. You know, more has the first round. You know, draft capital, but really separated by about ten picks. So Chris Samuel is a very exciting player. He does a little bit of everything. They can hand the ball to him, throw screens to him, take it to the house. Uh, there's a, a, a tweet going around with camp this year. Cam Newton hit a 40-yard bomb in the end zone. So credit Samuel, if you're in a pretty deep or a deep uh, deep league, uh, I would grab Samuel probably one of your 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 later rounds. And I think he has an awesome season this year. I think that offense is going to be amazing. And then to go with the running back that's a sleeper, uh, this guy. His rookie season was supposed to be uh, better than it was, and then uh, some guy by the name of Philip Lindsay just kind of came over and took over in that offense. But I think uh, I think Royce Freeman actually has a really good season this year. I think both Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman can both be viable in fantasy. And if you look at their offense now and, and their coaches as well, like so, Vic, Vic Fangio was the defensive coordinator of the Bears last year, and he saw firsthand the Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen thing work. You know, as a defensive coordinator, he saw it in practice every day. And then the uh, offensive coordinator is the former quarterbacks coach under my team, under Kyle Shanahan. Of course, you know, they're known for the Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, two, two, one, two punch. So I think they're going to try to create that one, two punch in Denver as well with Royce Freeman and, uh, and Philip Lindsay. And mm-hmm. I think both of them are going to be viable. I think Royce Freeman is being overlooked in a lot of drafts. So he's my, he's my other sleeper. Mm-hmm. Yep. That sounds good. All right. And what about the two busts? All right, one of the busts here that I had written down before I heard about his injury, um, I'm going to go ahead and stick with it, but that's going to be Derrick Henry. Uh, he does have an injury right now. It's not not uh, assumed to be very serious, so he should be back on the field by week one. Right. But he had more yards uh, in the last four games of the season than he had in the first 12 games of the season last year. So you take those four games out, and he's just an average running back at best. Uh, he had a couple humongous games. Of course, he had that game, I think it was Monday night, maybe it was Sunday night, and it was a primetime game where he just went bonkers. And that sort of padded his year, his yearly numbers, which you know sort of skews the stats a little bit when you look at him at the end of the year. And I just don't think that offense is good enough to really sustain that over a 16-game season. And I think where he's being drafted, he's just being drafted a little bit too high for my taste. Right. Okay. Well, that's that is a a good one there, and uh, certainly one that hit my radar as well. Let's. What about your second bust? Uh, the second one I got. Let's go to the receiver ranks, and this is a guy that we kind of talked about a little bit already. Uh, he's the guy filling in for uh, for Doug Baldwin in Seattle. Everybody's on this Tyler Lockett train, and I'm not one of that's on that train. I just, hmm. Last year, he was he literally was the most efficient receiver to ever play in the NFL. I mean, uh, Russell Wilson had a perfect QBR rating when throwing towards Tyler Lockett. There has to be some regression there. He, the, the number of targets that he had to the amount of touchdowns he has is just a ridiculous rate. And it's one that can't be sustained. Uh, now he's moving into that Doug Baldwin role where I think he's going to see a lot more double teams. He's going to be the guy on the field now, not to mention, you know, on top of that, they're a run first team. So they're going to run the ball on first down, run the ball on second down, and then, you know, throw it on third down. And if Lockett's not getting that target, he's not getting those fantasy points. So I'm not on the Lockett train. I think he has a good season, a good NFL season. But with where he's being drafted, I don't think he puts up the kind of season that you're hoping for in that offense. All right. Well, some good some good insight there. Ryan, what are your thoughts on sleepers and busts? Do you agree, disagree, or you have some of your own? Yeah, so I'll touch on a couple guys. So, um also with Derrick Henry, the, the Taylor Lewan's, uh suspension that came down this week, um, 
you know, probably their best, most talented offensive lineman now is also going to be out. So um, I would be aware uh, of him as well. Um, one guy or so a couple I was looking at. Sorry, I started a mock draft before we got on here, so I'm, I'm trying to multitask. <laughs> um, this, this is this is a, this is the way Ryan is. It's all about priorities here. It's fantastic. <laughs> I so, really well done. All right. So one guy I have is a bust that uh, just came out of kind of kind of nowhere. It's kind of situational, but um, you know I think Tyler Boyd, unless his ADP drastically shifts, is a guy you got to look at as a bust right now. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually high on Tyler Boyd coming into the season. He is the classic guy that he's great in the number two, but please do not ask him to be a number one guy with AJ green being out. Typically you're looking for more opportunity in fantasy, not with Tyler Boyd. You want Tyler Boyd safely hidden under the blanket of AJ green as the number two receiver (laughs) against secondary coverage. Um, I think last I saw he's going in the fifties range uh, ADP wise. So right around the fifth round, I don't want him at that value, especially with, you know, AJ green looks like this might be the end, you know, chronic foot stuff starting to pop up 31 years old. I just I don't want any part of that Cincinnati offense outside of Joe Mixon at this point. So he's one yeah. I had listed as a bust. And then a guy I have is a deep sleeper, and I don't think that this guy's been talked about enough, in my opinion. Um, everyone's talking about Washington in uh, in uh, in Pittsburgh as the number two guy. Uh, I have heard uh, from a lot of people um, from like beat writers and stuff, especially in the Pittsburgh area, say that Deontay Johnson, um, people in the Pittsburgh organization say Deontay Johnson looked like Antonio Brown did when he first got to Pittsburgh coming out of college. So mm-hmm. might be more of a dynasty kind of guy to look at. He's like 800th ranked right now. Um, you know, looking at the Yahoo ranks here, but he's a guy that, I mean, the target's got to go somewhere in outside of Juju in, in Pittsburgh. And if, if I could, especially in a deep, deep league or in a dynasty league, if I can grab a share of Deontay Johnson real late in that, especially with the comps and what it sounds like everyone in that organization feels about him. That's a guy I have my eye on. All right. Well, that do bring up a really interesting point there, Ryan. And I, I want to get both of you guys takes on this. What about Dante Moncrief? He has an ADP of 165 right now, according to fantasy pros and standard scoring. I mean, he's essentially, you know, the very, very back end last round flyer here. And he, uh, he isn't a terrible, terrible option out in Pittsburgh. And as you said, Ryan, those targets have to go somewhere. Jeff, what do you think about Dante Moncrief? I actually love Dante Moncrief. If we're if we're talking one season redrafts, uh, I've actually taken Moncrief over uh, either J- uh, James Washington or uh, Deontay Johnson. I think Moncrief has uh, already learned the offense pretty well. He's the veteran guy. Big Ben likes guys that he can trust to be where they're supposed to be and not make the mistake that a rookie could make or a second year player would make. Uh, Moncrief's been around. He's gonna he's gonna make the right play. He's gonna be where he's supposed to be. And Big Ben's the kind of quarterback that's gonna give his guy a chance. He's not gonna you know, he's not going to do the Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott throws to you when you're open. Uh, mm-hmm. Big Ben throws to you when you're covered and just says, go catch it. And I think Moncrief <laughs> can be that guy. All right. And, Ryan, what are, you, what are your thoughts on Moncrief? you feel like taking a flyer with him or you're like the new guy? No, I, I, sh- I, should, I should not be as down with uh, Moncrief as I am. But outside of T.Y. Hilton, I just hate every receiver that, Phil, that, that Ryan Grigson ever drafted. And I got to let that go. It's been five years. But I just I just can't wipe the Ryan Grigson stain off of Moncrief, so I probably won't take him to my own detriment. Okay, that's fair. At least you're being honest. I like this because Ryan always speaks his mind. consistent. I, I yes. hated Ryan Grigson since 2014. <laughs> I have hated him since I, since I ever found out he was a human being. <laughs> right. Yes, just tell, 
tell us about how you feel about Jeff Fisher next. Let's see how I go with that one, because I know how you <laughs> feel about that one too. All right, let's. Uh, that's the end of the show, guys. We're gonna blow the horn on the entire show. Man, it goes so fast. Uh, thanks again, Jeff, for joining us on the show. It was awesome. You're always welcome back. Uh, why don't you give our listeners your social media so they can follow you? All right, you can definitely you can follow me at Jeff Lambert seventy seven. That's Jeff with a G, so it's G E O F F Lambert seventy seven. Uh, we're getting ready to go into preseason daily fantasy. If you follow me, I do a lot of uh, daily fantasy stuff there. So you know, check me out. I'm going to be tweeting out all kinds of beat reporter stuff and all that good stuff. So yeah, again, Jeff Lambert seventy seven on Twitter. And don't forget to go to goingfor2.com and check out all the great content there. And, of course, Armchair Fantasy Show is fantastic. you got to check that out. And goingfor2.com backslash charity because we all want to give back in the end of the day, don't we? I mean, come on. Definitely. It's a good thing to do. All right. And, Ryan, your social media so people can follow you. Yes, yeah, so it's at Ryan Whitfield, N-E. Uh, Jeff, thanks for coming on. Um, I, I will just say that just for the listeners out there, no, um, I am one of the people who submitted for contests. So I'm not just, uh, we're not just plugging it on here, but I actually, uh, you know, know, know its value and I'm and trying to involve. Um, and Jeff's one of the best follows on Twitter. Uh, going for two.com is a great site. I've been kind of like a utility player over there. At times. Yeah. I, I just, I you're a utility player everywhere, Ryan. You're like, literally, <laughs> you're like the, the sluttiest fantasy analyst ever. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you know, you gotta, you know, can't, you can't find the one if you don't say yes to them all. But, uh, no, it's, uh, going this is definitely worth it. You live by, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great site. Um, Jeff's a great guy. And, and fantasy is obviously a great, uh, a great cause so everyone go sign up and, and make sure you donate yeah and then this is and i i'll do, go ahead and double down on that and say everyone definitely go do that it's definitely worth it and jeff we again you're always welcome back on our show it's always a great time here and we're glad we finally got you on this time so now you're stuck you're gonna have to make a second <laughs> appearance now you're, you know that man. right I'm you're totally mean, obligated all I'm right thank you thank you all right. Thanks again, everyone, for wasting time with us. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week.